0: James Cozy already told you it was on the way, but now Florida State transfer Rodney Hill is officially back with Florida A&M, and this is a move that could have an impact on their signing day. Oh yeah, it's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter, at South Exclusives, starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Go to fanduel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. And if you're new to FanDuel, then you'll get $150 back in bonus bets anytime you put down a $5 bet, win or lose. We'll wrap up today's episode of Locked on HBCU with a look at Clark Atlanta men's basketball team because they are on fire. Prior to that, Texas Southern just had a big-time victory over Alabama State, and what was the difference in a one-point game? However, prior to any of this, we'll look at Rodney Hill, who is officially back in the fold for Florida A&M. If you're an everydayer, on Monday you heard us discuss this. This was something that we did talk about because I said James Colsey, the new FAMU head coach, his first big task, the first thing that I'm not going to say he needs to accomplish because he's kind of starting behind the eight ball, but the first thing that he really has to take care of is the National Signing Day. And when I say he doesn't need to accomplish, I mean as far as have a great recruiting class. Obviously, you need to do it, but as an accomplishment, I view that as a success, as a high mark, right? I don't know if he'll be able to do that because he got hired a week before signing day, a week and a half before signing day. But I do believe that getting a guy like Rodney Hill back in the fold is something that could really have implications on signing day. Let me tell you why. Because I don't believe that just simply saying that, hey, what James Colsey said was going to happen is official. I don't believe they're saying that Rodney Hill is back with FAMU is a big enough story by itself. Because we kind of covered that on Monday. Not all the way. But one thing I did say is when Colsey says that Hill is back in the fold, this cannot mean that I'm talking to Hill again. I'm, I'm trying to get in communication or I am in communication and trying to get him back to the Rattlers. It can't mean that it cannot mean that he is considering Famu. It has to mean that he is back with fam. You and that happened. And I, I think that was common sense, right? Once he said what he said, it was pretty clear that it was only a matter of time. However, one thing that I did appreciate, one thing that I did like is that it happened on Wednesday evening, Wednesday night, so now that's a full week before National Signing Day. The reason that's important to me is because it's a sign to other recruits that FAMU is stabilizing. And I and I, I know this can't be stressed enough. I know I've said it before, but this cannot be stressed enough. When you go through a FAMU went through right before signing day, we're talking about a month before signing day, just a little bit more, Willie Simmons leaves. And he leaves FAMU, so now they don't have a head coach. And that's when the indecisiveness starts. And I understand that they don't get a coach in extremely quickly. And when you're bumping up against signing day, that does have an impact on your ability to recruit. It leads to recruits dropping out. It leads to some people entering the transfer portal. It leads to people having having a lack of confidence because of your lack of stability. That's what happens. But when you get somebody like Rodney Hill, who is a big time recruit for you in January that had a lot of people excited when you have him come in. Now other recruits are saying, "Okay, if somebody of Hill's stature is saying we can go, then we can too. I'm not saying that these people are simple or they're being manipulated or it's just people attract to stability. They want to feel like they're walking into a good situation. That's why it's difficult for programs that aren't good to build up because there's no semblance of you being good, right? There's nothing that says we can have faith that we will progress here. But when you have Rodney Hill, somebody like that, it's like, oh, okay. We, he believes, so it's easier for me to now believe. That's what this is all about. And I like it. I think that it could go a long way for influencing some recruits. It's not going to be the thing that takes fam you from let's just throw numbers out there from eight to one as far as recruiting class rankings go. It's it's not going to be that. It's not going to be that, but it can influence you on a smaller degree, maybe it goes from eight to six. Right. And I'm just throwing numbers out there. I'm not saying I have the eighth bank, eighth best recruiting class in a SWAC or anything like that. I'm just legit throwing numbers out there on a hypothetical standard. Now, one may wonder. Does Hill leaving FAMU and then coming back kind of make his return lose his luster? And to me, it doesn't because he's still the same player that you were excited about. And he left due to instability. It was nothing else. And not only that, he was still sought after. Let's go through the progression of of, uh, Rodney Hill as far as entering the transfer portal. So he was with Florida State last year. He was with Florida State, the team that should have been In the college football playoffs, if you ask me, he was a part of that. And when he left to FAMU, you heard FAMU fans get excited, but you heard a lot of Florida State fans or a couple of loud Florida State fans. I won't say a lot, but a couple of loud Florida State fans expressed a lot of displeasure for his departure. Now, I don't know if that has to do with FAMU being the place that he was going. It very well could be. However, you don't even express that displeasure if it's not about a guy that you like. So it very well could be you went to FAMU, ugh, but it's Hill still, right? If some guy who was just some Rudy Pooh went to FAMU, trust me, those Florida State fans would not have came out and said what they said about Hill, about some scrub player. Anyway, so Florida State fans felt a certain kind of way about his departure. You look at FAMU fans who are excited. Then you look at when he leaves, he goes and commits to Miami. He was a preferred walk-on. He wasn't a scholarship player, but still, he was coming on to Miami. So now you have just a lot of excitement. And he's bouncing around the state. Clearly, he wants to stay within Florida. But when you look at where Rodney Hill has been, it's clear that he is a player that does hold value. So his departure and then return to FAMU should not take off a little bit of the luster, right? This should still be a big move. This should still be a move that you're very excited about. So I wanted to go ahead and line that up because I do believe that this is a big deal and we should revisit. It's more than just him being back in the fold. It's about what he can do for other people. He can recruit other guys. Also, very quick note, shout out to Coach Smith, Ryan Smith. He is now gone. He has decided to leave FAMU. I think he's going to go to Murray State. Murray State still doesn't have a defensive coordinator. It was once reported that he was going to be there, D.C., Then it was like, oh, no, he's not. Then we seen him on the list that was leaked about potential head coaching candidates. And now he's leaving FAMU. This just tells me he was staying in case he could get the head coaching job. If not, he was going to move on. And that moving on to me, if I had to guess, it'll probably be Murray State because I don't think that that just came out of nowhere. So shout out Smitty Rock. Shout out Coach Smith. Um, Congratulations on everything you've done at FAMU. Good luck wherever you end up, whether it's Murray State, or elsewhere so I just wanted to highlight that while we were still talking about the Rattlers but let's move forward and look at Texas Southern because we ain't talking about football anymore we're looking at basketball and this is what TSU does well and they were able to edge Alabama State in a very close contest but what was the difference maker in a one-point game we'll answer that question and break it down as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel and go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. We're only a week away from the big dance. We're only a week away from the most bittersweet moment in all of professional sports. And that is the Super Bowl because it is the biggest game, but also a marker of the end of the season, but it's also a time for you to make a little bit of money on FanDuel. It's your last opportunity to make money on football until next August rolls around. So I would tell you, go to fanduel.com slash locked on and make every moment more. And if you're just now taking my advice, which means you're new to FanDuel, You get $150 back in bonus bets. That's $150 back in bonus bets, win or lose whenever you put down a $5 bet. So if you put money down on the Chiefs and the 49ers win, then you're still going to get that $150 back. It does not matter. All you have to do is go to fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked On HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day. Every day, remember for your second listen, you're checking out Locked On Sports today. It's not a question, I'm telling you. Check out Locked On Sports today. It's the first of its kind 24 7 sports podcast network on YouTube. No matter what time of the day you're checking it out, they will have live programming rolling for you. Now, I want to look at TSU because they came up with a big-time victory, and it is their second win in a row. Alabama State and Texas Southern were involved in a very tight game. Every day on yesterday's episode, I said I wanted to look at this game. There was three major SWAC men's basketball outcomes on Monday. It was a ridiculous day of games for the conference, just to be honest with you, right? You had UAPB versus Grambling men and women. You had uh, TSU versus Bama State, which I'm about to look at. And you also had Jackson State versus, who was it? Jackson State versus FAMU. You had Alcorn versus Bethune. This was a big day as far as swag basketball goes. But the last one of the week that we want to carry over and look into Saturday afterwards, or, man, we probably won't look too much in a Saturday. But it's TSU versus Alabama State because this was a game that was decided by one point, 56 to 55. Pretty good defense being played in the game, but my Tigers won, and it's all because of the free throws. The free throws are what made a difference, and it's not pretty. It's not sexy to talk about, but it's free throws. It's stepping up at the line with no body in your face. I won't say any pressure, but nobody in your face. and just knocking down shots. It's the fact of who had free throws, a lot of them, who didn't have free throws. That's really the biggest difference. But it's not only the difference in mass numbers. It's when these numbers come up. So TSU in the last six minutes didn't score a bucket. They didn't shoot from the field and make a single bucket. After making a three with 613, I believe, left on the clock, they then proceeded to miss their next four shots in a row, a couple of threes, a couple of layups. They couldn't they just couldn't score, not from the field. And then you look at that last minute of the game. They went scoreless for a little over 5 minutes. And in those last minutes, those last 60 seconds, they knocked in four free throws to be able to come up from behind and still win this game. So that's a time aspect of it. That's looking at it and saying, "Oh, these are timely free throws that changed the game." But when you look at it, because that first what got my attention, then I say, okay, well, how many free throws were taken by each team throughout the game? Now, this is where it gets really interesting. Alabama State shot 9 of 11 from free throw. TSU shot 18 of 23. They both shot exceptionally. Both of these players or both of these teams made most of their free throws when they went up to the charity line. Like you got to acknowledge that. But the thing that stands out, is TSU had double the amount of attempts and double the amount of takes. Yeah, that's the difference maker, right? Because in games like this, you're looking for the one discrepancy between the team stats. And this is it. This was the difference maker. This was the thing that was unlike everything else on the board. Three point shooting wasn't that far off uh, as far as makes. You look at field goal percentage, not that far off, but then you get to field, I mean, excuse me, free throws, and you have nine of 11 versus 18 of 23. Matter of fact, when you look at Alabama State's full game numbers, 9 of 11, those are just the numbers for TSU in a half, literally. TSU shot 9 of 12 in the first half from the free throw line. They shot 9 of 11 in the second half. They continuously got to the stripe and they continuously made their stripes. I mean, made their free throws, excuse me. So Bama state shot four free throws in the second half and their last attempt was 13-19. I won't even begin to tell you how many free throws that TSU shot in that time frame because it's not it's not as important as when they shot them that was it's not as important as the most critical time. There we go. That's what I'm trying to say. I won't tell you how many they shot in the last 13-19, but when you look at the last four, the last four free throws that they took and made all came in the last minute, and they needed to make every single one of those. So, for TSU to make four free throws in the last minute of the game, and it to not be playing the free throw game, right? Because the free throw game is when you're up and the team keeps fouling you, hoping that you miss free throws so that they can make shots and they can clear up, uh, kind of catch up on the deficit. TSU was the one in the deficit, TSU was the one that was trying to catch up. They did a good job playing defense. In making contact to be able to get to the line. That was their recipe for success in the last 50-some-odd minutes. That's when they won this game. So that's a massive gap, and it's the thing that I have to point at that was the reason or the catalyst for their comeback. Now, when you look at the the SWAC, and I'll briefly refresh you, Because TSU is in a very unique position in the SWAC. And this is what I mean when I say we're going to slightly look towards Saturday. Because it's really not a conversation about Saturday. But TSU is fourth in the SWAC right now at five and three. One through three is five and two. They all have that same conference record. Five through eight is all four and three. They have that conference record. TSU has played one more game than everybody else. And they sit right there in the middle. They're the only team that has a solidified spot in the conference. Yes, I could go through and look at one through three and say, okay, what's the tiebreakers right now? How do you break that up and chop that up? Five through eight. They're all four and two. How do I chop that up? Can I get somebody at five? Can I get somebody at six and seven? Like I could do that. But it's essentially like talking about playoff seeding in week three of the NFL. Yes, I could tell you who the playoff teams are. I could tell you who one through seven is. I could tell you who the divisional leaders are. I could tell you who the wild cards would be. But having, if the season ended today, talks in week three, five, teams ain't even have their bye week yet. It's not a, it's not a conversation that needs to be had. That's how I view chopping up. It's too many teams in this conference tied at the same mark with too much time left in the season for me to come on here and just, you know, divide them up. But the one team I don't have to do that for is TSU. They'll play Saturday against PV. That'll be a big game because it's PV. But then also on Monday, they don't play. Everybody else will catch up to them. And now we'll all see um eight. Yeah, no, n- two, four. Yeah. So it'll be nine teams, right? Or nine games played excuse me then we'll really see where TSU sits but as of right now they're the barrier between the teams that are one through three and five through eight so I'll be very interested to see where TSU stands after this they'll have to beat PV to be on the positive side of it at the end of the day um because I think it is once again it's too many teams to, to guess but they'll be no lower than four if they're able to beat PV so That's the way that I'll look at it because I'm not breaking down these tiebreakers. Now, as we continue, TSU is on a two-game win streak. Pales in comparison to Clark Atlanta, who has won nine games in a row and absolutely on fire. And we'll look at that as we continue with Locked On HBCU. That's wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day, making it all the way to segment three, and I thank you two times for that. Thank you. Thank you. I'm about to say something that I don't want to say. First and foremost, Clark Atlanta is on absolute fire. Can't take that away from them. And I know I should not say what I'm about to say, but I have to say it. Clark Atlanta is the hottest team in the SEAC. All right, y'all. I'm going to tell you right now. The reason I didn't want to say it, I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it. I had to walk off. I felt like I just sent a risky text. The reason I didn't want to say it is because I know what my history is. I've had the kiss of death. Since I've started being on here, I finally understood the announcer jinx when something is too obvious not to say. But, you know, you're very superstitious. Come on now. Like these are reasons I don't want to say it. But if you're Clark, just know if I did give you the kiss of death, it's only temporary. It's only temporary. But Clark Atlanta is the hottest team in this conference right now, and it shouldn't be up for a debate. It should not be up for a debate. They have won nine games in a row. They're all, I think they're all in conference games. Maybe one isn't, but they won nine games in a row. Benedict College is at the top of the conference with 11 wins. They've won nine in a row out there at Clark, right? Let's go through it because Benedict College is at the top of the conference. And you know technically I should just say the East, but the East is where all the heavy hitters are. The two, the three top teams, as far as record goes, are all in the East. So at the top of the conference, it's sufficient. Let's look at where each one of them, each one of them stand, right? Because Benedict College is eleven and two, and they stand at first in first place. Morehouse eleven and three, they're second place. Clark ten and three, they're in third place, and I know that I just named them at three, but there's no one hotter. Matter of fact, along this nine game win streak, Clark's knocked off Benedict College. Clark's knocked off the house. Like we gotta look at these things. They've been on fire for for a month. for a month they've been on absolute fire, and anybody who has come up against them has failed. Now. You want to see why Bethune, not Bethune, Cookman, what? Wrong wrong BC, right? You want to see why Benedict College is in first place by half a game? That's because Clark knocked off Morehouse, and that was their last loss. If Clark would have failed or if if Morehouse would have defeated Clark, you're looking at Morehouse being 12-2 and being half a game ahead of Benedict College, but instead they're a half game behind, and Clark is only a half game behind Morehouse. If Clark wins their next game, or they continue to be on this streak and they just keep winning, and eventually Morehouse has to break the same way I discussed with Texas Southern and last in the last segment. Once that happens, mm-hmm. then you'll see Clark Atlanta be in second place, or maybe Benedict College falls at one point, and now Clark Atlanta is in first place because they've knocked off the two top teams. Clark Atlanta is on a nine game win streak and they've knocked off the two top teams record wise in the conference. Tell me who could be hotter. Tell me who you would even say this isn't this is a fact like this is a fact that Clark Atlanta is the hottest team in that conference. And I bring back a quote that that Clark's coach said, Coach Jordan said after beating Benedict College. Quote talking about his own team. That team tonight was the team that started off 6-0. and If we continue to guard like we did tonight, we will have an amazing second half of the season. And if they continue to win the way that they've been winning, this will be the quote that we will all go back to and say, that was the turning point. And it's not as if Benedict College was the first win on their nine-game win streak, but it was the first win that I feel like everybody, you had to pay attention to. Benedict College was, Eighth in the nation, I believe, at the time, undefeated. That changed a lot. Yeah, then they went to lose to Morehouse the next game, but Morehouse didn't do it first. Right? They say when when you're fighting, they always catch the guy who's second. But when we're talking about achievements, we always keep our eyes on the person who did it first. And that's Clark Atlanta. This is the hottest team. And we have to acknowledge it. Second best offense. I know he wanted to highlight the defense, but they're the second best offense in this conference. And they've been on absolute fire. I hope I hope I didn't give them the kiss of death. I'm hoping that I said it so much that I jinxed the jinx. We'll see. But I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. That was super obnoxious. That was a super obnoxious drink of water, but it's it's okay. That's how we finish off the week. Stay hydrated through the weekend. Uh, We'll be back to recap the Invesco QQQ classic between Grambling and Jackson State at least because of the ramifications that it has in the SWAC and maybe also Hampton versus Howard. But we'll definitely look at the first of the two games at that classic. And I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. We starting off the month strong. I'm really enjoying these pair of shows that we just put out. I know this wasn't out yet as I'm saying it, but I'm enjoying it as I'm doing it. Um, And I appreciate you. For coming on here and, and checking me out and talking with me and telling me what the mac really stands for those things even when i don't respond i i see them and i appreciate it so uh thank you for everything you do and i appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day if you're looking for me you can catch me on twitter at south exclusive you know the dealio until the next time i'll be here to the family take care stay blessed peace